And now a message from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Bootleg Captain, Captain Bootlegs here. Yeah. If you're like me, I bet you're enjoying this Toys, Toys on, on Tap, Tap podcast. Yeah, I am enjoying it, it's very nice. But did you know you can enjoy it more just by joining that Patreon? Oh, I did not know that. There are so many cool perks available on the Patreon for you. There's and also and Wow, that's really a lot of stuff if you ask Bootleg Captain. Captain I don't bootleg. understand. There were noises I couldn't hear with the person. So join today to support Toys on Tap podcast and Bootleg Art Toys. But if you're not in a position to join the Patreon, head on over to Apple iTunes and review and subscribe. That helps out the channel as well. Okay, I'll go rate it, I guess. And remember, listen to Toys, Toys on, on Tap. Captain Bootleg, the bootleg captain sent you. Why does he keep referring to himself in the third Can person? I stop with the stupid voice now? I'm not sure why you made me want to sound like a pirate. Oh, so that was a fake voice. Oh, yucko! I didn't realize it was just pretend voice. Oh, okay. My guy. What's up, dude? Can you hear me? Absolutely. Is it good? It's great. Pushing P. Pushing, Pushing P. P. <laughs> Pushing P. I'm stoked. I'm I'm glad that you got the toy background and everything. I know this won't show up, but it's dope to see a massive collection behind you. Hmm. It's there. Also, somebody they... said they could feel my mental illness bleeding <laughs> through the screen. And I was on a call the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, split up by, do they say it? Cause it's like split up in a certain way. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like kind of, but not really like the more, like when I get something, it kind of goes there now or like here there's, there's one right here. Yeah. There's one right there. And then there's two, it, two toy Ikea toy shelves in my wife's office. And then there's a toy shelf upstairs in the guest room. So real quick, you just called it an Ikea toy shelf. Yeah. Is that what, yeah. Is that what Ikea calls it or is that what you've turned it into? Um, I, I, I'm not sure it's the detail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They're like, they were, they were not that expensive, but I always I love them. I always am trying to figure out creative ways. Cause I, like I live in a one bedroom with my wife and so I don't want to take out like a bunch of space with toys and stuff so i try to come up with like creative ways and there's um there's a company or a couple companies that make like fire escapes that hang on the wall and their shelves it's kind of rad so i'm trying to find like creative ways to make it so like it's not just all in your face when you walk in my front door yeah um some people strangers if they come to my house they walk in and they're like yeah what the fuck you know but uh to start this off were you ever a fan of pokemon when you were little um i am 38 so pokemon was a little after you a little uh i mean i when pokemon started popping off bro i was in high school like i mean the game yeah the 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 video game what i think poke i had a copy of pokemon yellow yeah um in like my junior year of high school whoa so so it's not it's that was a video game the cards were really the cards were big when i was a senior in high school yeah so i mean magic cards were the thing pokemon like you know it was very um sanitary in comparison with like 
the um, Weeb media that I was was um, seeing. Yeah. Were you big into magic? Oh, yeah. I have never done any kind of magic, anything. I'm just now learning the mechanics of it. And a friend of mine is hosting this D&D mashup with magic, like some kind of, I don't know anything about it, but he was like, hey, you don't know how to play. You might want to learn before you jump in. So I'm trying to figure that part out. Magic is pretty simple. I think the core mechanics are um, pretty easy to get a hold of, yeah. um, you know, with like the elements and like, you know, um, how to use your your um, element and your resources in order to, you know, conjure up dragons and spells and shit, you know, yeah, creatures and sorceries and instants and all that good stuff. It's way easier than the other ones I play. I've gone through so many card games. Yu-Gi-Oh! and Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, all of them. And they were all way tougher to play than what I've seen from Magic. So it's not crazy. I think Magic is the 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 best one. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of them look cool, but Magic was done right day one. Just kind of like D&D as well. Like these these concepts will never be outdone. Yeah. It's really hard to outdo something when it's done that well, right? Like you can't right. even improve on it. Right, yeah. I love magic. I mean, I still do. My little brother is super into it. And I have a lot of friends that are really, really into the cardboard crack. Yeah. For me, um, you know, my time is spent elsewhere. I think that video games and games in general, at least as an artist, like uh, I have to kind of space myself away from those things because um like i'm always like in a hurry to on to the next thing getting projects done and making sure that i'm staying busy but i mean i think i just dumped like 220 hours into elden ring and Whoa. I had all this other shit i needed to do yeah 220 just, hours over the course of how long uh, don't say 10 days <laughs> no no <laughs> all of my time um i don't know it dropped i don't know when the, the elden ring drop was but i'll have to do the just over like a month and a half probably. okay yeah so it's not crazy it's like, not good yeah it's like <laughs> it's like four or five hours here and there it's almost crazy yeah yeah it's too much time though okay like, it's, I mean, it. I really got that $60 out of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, if you don't, what's the point, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, but then like, I won't, I haven't, I won't play video games for, I don't know, eight or nine months, 10 months. Yeah. Do you have an addictive personality? Hyper-focused, attention yeah. deficit, hyperactivity disorder, for sure. I'm yeah. Definitely, um, neuroatypical. If you yeah. Know. I, uh, I, I mean, when I was little, the hot thing was to be diagnosed with that. Like the doctors were just diagnosing every kid. Um, there are glimpses of that that have popped up. Um, but more than anything, I have like, I struggle with things like object permanence or like, it's like, if I don't, if I'm not focusing on it, it's dead to me. It doesn't exist. Really? Yeah. So like, um, games on my phone if I owned a video game system if I was trying a different type of art if I wasn't doing it every day it just didn't ever stay 
yeah, it was weird. And it's, I struggle with it with people too. Wow. Yeah. I just can't either. It's like really, I can't focus at all. Yeah. Or I'm like hunting. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like either awake and yeah. how I've learned to deal with it is just, I'm either awake or I'm asleep. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of, um, you know, I can't watch a movie for shit now. Yeah. Just, even if know. it's something like really good. I mean, you know, even then, you know, like I fell asleep in Spider-Man. Oof. Don't tell me that. That's hurtful. Like, and I know that it's good. It's just, I can't like, you know, um, I think too, I was just out of my element at the theater. Yeah. Um, Those terms though, they're very loosely thrown around in our culture. Like people be all ADD mind or, you know, and, and, um, you know, you, you kind of have to be more um, responsible maybe with, with, yeah, people have to be more, I think culture in general, Mm -hmm. I think people are getting used to more being, being like, honest about things that used to be taboo or like um you know um being more um responsible with with how those things work you know um and um understanding like that you know we all have our place in the world and you know then it it becomes easier to kind of be one of those people or deal with those people yeah and um you know um because oft you know people like me i I mean i'm not good at a normal job like Mm -hmm. i worked one forever i just am not good at it i don't have time i don't have the the capacity to manage certain things or um you know so i don't know that's all sad though i don't want to talk about that yeah (laughs) but i do want to like does that uh, one last question about it, because it's always interesting to hear about that kind of stuff. And then working with toys or being an artist, that means are you just up like when you're hyper focused, you just can't sleep. You need to get something done. Are you just there? Yeah, you know, like. Um, my mom once told me that uh, I was either I had to exhaust myself to sleep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll be up for. 16 18 hours yeah then i'll get up again you know that was the what was weird about a normal job was like that it was like the custom of eight hours a day the Mm -hmm. same old shit the monotony of everything i kind of would be like oh like you know and i I did it forever i was very used to it you know like i had a job pretty much um since i was 14 Mm -hmm. and like i never quit working until like covid happened and then like I reevaluated my life and like looked at like um, I had an opportunity and I took it, but like seeing like my overall mental health then where like I, um, you know, wasn't really able to deal with like my life in terms of the day to day emotional stuff. I just kind of was like putting it aside and getting to work and being kind of a person I didn't want to be. And, um, now, you know, I might have less financially because I'm not, you know, but I feel better physically and I can sleep better, even though my sleep is fucking crazy. Yeah. You know, I feel more in my zone as far as who I am as a person. Yeah. You know, well, before we get any further, please tell 
everyone that listens to Toys on Tap who you are and what you do. <laughs> um, my name is Neil Ewing. I'm an artist and I'm from Southeastern Colorado. There we go. And, and you I make rad toys. I make toys and draw comics and yeah. do stuff. Uh, your, like your focus, what I've seen lately has been, or I don't even know how long since I've been in here, um, has been focused on like Safubi style, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, toys. when you first started, take me back to those, those days when you first wanted to start making toys, what drew you into that? Um, I, I wanted to, I originally like have always kind of wanted to make toys. I remember when wizard used to have the like toy customizer part, you know, where Mm -hmm. people would like chop up their action figures and make new ones, you know, that always like really excited me that idea of making toys. And I think my mom saw that in me and she bought me like Fimo clay and super sculpy and stuff like that. And, um, this was probably in like 1995 or six. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, um, I just kind of grew up using that kind of stuff. Um, and I just really liked toys, um, collecting things, uh, comics. And, um, eventually it got to the point where I needed to do something after, um, high school and I was looking at like um, industrial design stuff for college and um, I was going to go to the um, art academy here in Denver Colorado but I decided not to and thank god because they folded there was like some issue with that and instead I went to Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design um, and kind of got like a renaissance mm-hmm degree um where I kind of learned about art and how to like talk about art and quotation marks you know (laughs) um and which was very you know at the time I didn't think it was fulfilling but as I get older I kind of understand that that's really important and uh you know I had I had done like a lot of other things but like toys have always kind of been um these like little idols that I've always collected and held and um, I kind of fell back into that after, like, um, um, I just didn't really have anything to do when I was working a lot. And um, I, I just was thinking about all of these things I had learned in college about casting. And um, I saw people online, like the craftsmen, were, um, were doing that kind of stuff. And so... Um, I think I went to Reynolds Advanced Materials and bought a bunch of shit and it kind of like tumbled downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when you you first start this, you go and you buy a bunch of stuff. Did you have anything in mind that you were like, this is where I want to start? Or was it just, let's just throw everything at the wall right away? Um, I didn't really know. Like I had like... I had been to Japan with my brother and like, you know, had been walking around Akihabara and stuff like that and like had seen Safubi. And I had owned some of it mm-hmm. um, and knew kind of about the weeb shit, you know? And, um, but I didn't really know. Yeah, I, I, I was like tired of drawing comics and going to cons and like feeling like 
how I felt. I wanted to <clears throat> be out of that, you know, because like there was a lot of sit time and I felt like maybe what I was doing was like for not, you know, so yeah. like I wanted, I wanted to switch up. I wanted to change what I was doing. And I, you know, I didn't know what that was though, like to answer your question, it kind of just became what it became, mm -hmm. you know, cause I just started making shit. And like, I think at that time too, there weren't a lot of people that were doing it like now, like there's not a whole, there wasn't a whole three and three quarter scene or a whole, like, you know, there was suck Lord, Frank and Lander, maybe barbarian rage. Yeah. Maybe lab monkey, maybe. There weren't like a lot of people doing it, you know. Um, yeah, what year are we talking? 2008 ish, 2010 ish? 2010. Probably. Okay. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and I was just like fucking around. And it took like years to even, you know, get to the point of, you know, um, I really needed the space like yeah. to do, do like resin casting because I needed a pot and a compressor and, you know, so I just kind of learned all of that stuff, like what to use, what not to use. Like I failed a lot mm -hmm. and, um, you know, got my core basically of understanding how things work by bootlegging toys. And I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to paint toys. I wanted to make cool shit, but I didn't really, um, like painting resin. Yeah. You know, and I was it does like, have a shittiness to it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, also though, you know, you resin is beautiful because, you can make small batches of things and if you can you know work under the rules that resin demands you can make really cool stuff it's just like that's the same with any kind of medium mm -hmm. you know any medium is going to tell you to fuck off if you you know don't use it correctly like or correctly you know yeah like, um, within what it it requires um we interrupted this broadcast of toys on top to bring you this meanwhile the galaxy of bootleg treasures DOV2, we have engine failure! We must crash land on DKE Toy Planet! Oh my! We're doomed! Wait! Salvation! Hooray! We're saved, DOV2! Limited edition custom artist made action figures and DKE Toys! Check out www.dkatoys.com for a full catalog. Hooray for custom action figures! DK. But um, so then, you know, if, if you want to save a lot of money, you know, learning how to resin cast and learning all of those pre-production ideas before going into making vinyl is really important. You know, mm. you save the thousands of dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I I felt a, a visceral pain. You said that I didn't. You didn't want to paint resin. I don't think I ever want to paint resin. Yeah. Um. Tell me. You, you mentioned uh, Japan, like just in passing, but you saw Safubi there, and you saw the vinyl toys and all those things. And so, did you go there for that? And then, what was it like being in that scene? What's that scene like in Japan? I mean, um. I didn't go there specifically for that. I hadn't, you know, my brother was stationed in Okinawa okay. and I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I think that when you have family that's so far away, you know, he kept telling me like, come and see me. 
like because mm-hmm. he knew I was a nerd and he was like just come and see me like <laughs> fucking we'll go party dude you know and I one of my really good friends from college lived in um Tokyo and um I just was like hey man I got vacation time and I've never done anything ever like this and um you only live once you know and so I got on a fucking plane as a total gaijin and I flew yeah. to Japan by myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, I didn't go there specifically for toys. I think I just went there to, you know, get away from everything. And like, you know, I only bought like three or four things when I was there because there was so much, I think I bought like a transformers rat trap from mm-hmm. the beast wars reissue and, um, some like dash upon stuff. Yeah. What a weird first buy. Yeah. Yeah. The rat trap. <laughs> I, you know, I was, I'm really into transformers. So like, okay. um, that was like my, my f- first kind of obsessive toy yeah. thing. Um, but, um, you know, Japan is a collectivist society, so mm. it's like a very much different, I think for, for me to go into that situation and like be very much an outsider. I mean, I, I totally respect um, the offerings that they have. It was just a very um, strange place. Um, everything's very clean. It's like New York, but polite. Like <laughs> Tokyo is New York, but polite and clean. Okay. That's the feeling it has. That's it's a good way to describe that. Fucking frenetic. Yeah. And, you know, you go to Akihabara and there's like, it's the most human created thing it's the most unnatural mm-hmm. just beep 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 people you know there's sounds going and i was just like i had to like put my head down and like walk like it was just you know it was very much some on some blade runner shit you know mm-hmm. um but then you get into the fucking toy stores and you're just like wow like this is not you know, lots of private owned small toy businesses, like within the same area, you know, here in Denver, you're lucky if you get one of those yeah. in the city, but they have like a high concentration. They have like a toy mall with like all kinds of toys and wrestling shit. It's just wow. so crazy. Um, I just was like, Whoa, this is fucking nuts. Yeah. Looking back on that. I, I feel like I should have went to see like real head or, you know, the gambling museum or something like that. I just ended up up drinking chew highs and (laughs) (laughs) and eating barbecue and, you know, getting shit faced with my friends. Hey, that that's also a good way to spend vacation. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I love seeing what toys are like in anywhere else or like toy stores everywhere else I go. Um, I went to this one this past weekend. They called it a toy store. It was not a toy store. It was like uh, a guy that hoards things. And it was floor to ceiling in the entire shop, floor to ceiling, just stuff. It was toys, right? But it was not a store by any means. And there was one path that led you through the store and you had to go backwards through that path to get out. It was gnarly. You almost bought a fucking Mogwai, homie. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, that guy. And that I, sounds kind of tight, though. Like, you would find some shit like 
some just grail shit underneath yeah. the cat. Yeah, yeah, like you'd have to look really deep. But I, like I, it was so overwhelming. The, I mean, there's things that are still in boxes, right? Like there was a lot of Toy Biz, X-Men things that were still in boxes and those play sets and stuff, um, which was cool to see. But like, I didn't go there for that. I don't want that. Yeah. So, but yeah, he couldn't even answer me. Like, I was like, hey, where do you get these? What, where, how did this happen? He couldn't answer it. He was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Just over time. Maybe he don't know, bro. That seems like a natural progression. Yeah. <laughs> we all just get to that point. Uh, when you started uh, working with resin and toy or in uh, molding and casting and all that, you said it took you years. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because I had learned that stuff um, in like 2002. So with Martha Russo at, at Ramcat, what are you doing for years? Are you slowly learning the process or are you like just wasting material after material? What's that look like Both? over those years? Okay. You know, like, I think that like, you know, like you need both probably. Yeah. And you go into it like thinking, oh, I'm just going to spend a little bit of money and buy Umu or yeah. like, you know, I'm and you know, how to build a mold is very specific as well. You know, there's a certain yeah. way to build a two-part mold that makes sense, that works. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people make gang molds or dump molds. Um, and for the longevity of something, they don't necessarily work as far as like making something quick. I think that that, that makes sense, but you, you're not going to, I mean, I don't, there are probably are people that have pulled 50, 60 toys from a dump mold, but, you know, to make a two part mold, you know, there's like a real science to that. Mm -hmm. And understanding how vents work and like at the time I think I was like using really small like muscle men and stuff like that and I was pouring them weird and they didn't make sense and it took a lot of time to yeah. like learn you know a lot of google and a lot of youtube and kind of um yeah books shit like that because there yeah. wasn't as as many resources like it just wasn't um, you know, hyperbolic like it is now. Yeah, you know, it, like 2002 is really early. Right now, I could get on Instagram, and I think that's the biggest regret of me starting to make toys. Um, and I, I don't talk about it much, but I should have never asked anyone. I should have just busted my ass and did the research and figured out how to do these things because I in asking, I didn't have the trial and error. So I fucked up so much material just trying to like do what people were telling me instead of actually learning. And so it was problematic for me in the long run. I had to go back and relearn how to do certain things. What was it like in 2002? Like Instagram, we, Facebook sucks or no, no Facebook. No, there was, there wasn't even MySpace in 2002. Oh, I'm 12 right. in 2002, by the way. So <laughs> Um, we were just casting like polyurethane things with silicone resin that was like really gnarly and the, the, the resin or silicone molds and the resin was like, it took 24 hours to cure type shit. It was like that super clear stuff. And we were just basically um, kind of learning how to make things, tool things, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that was simply for like, 
doing installation art or bracketing yeah. or like making sure that you know learn this skill so that if you need it you can supplement it into your art practice um yeah. i had no idea at the time like that it would become this like you know thing because art toys at the time maybe you would see a bounty hunter or a fucking cause or something like that that still was very much far removed and coastal from where i sat like you know dalek and barry mcgee were just mm -hmm. kind of starting to appear in the art scene cause wasn't even really a thing i was familiar with <clears throat> so like it was just like the supplementary practices that we, you know, because when you do like a, a fine arts degree or something like that, they're just kind of trying to sh throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And as a creative person, you're kind of like, you know, it's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. This, this is not my favorite or more geared towards this other thing, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, I just wanted to like make toys and comics and shit, but I didn't have the wherewithal and know how to do so. So, um, you know, um, and it's it's okay to float, you know. It's okay to feel like wanderlust of of creatively, you know, finding your way in your path because it's all just kind of like life, right? Mm -hmm. So like, but I did have to like, you know, in the end, ask people questions as soon as like Instagram came around and like I could ask people. Um, it, you know, there's I think <clears throat> asking somebody for something is a double-edged sword mm -hmm. because you know you're essentially involving them in your life when you ask for a favor that cuts to my core because that has been i didn't know that and it has done some damage to me and so i'm glad that you're articulating that yeah i mean yeah well that's what i was going to get to is like you're you're asking some you're you know it's just like toy production mm -hmm. we can talk about that if you'd like but you're, you know, when you ask somebody for a favor, you're involving them in your, your life, your practice, your, your successes, your failures. Like essentially you ask somebody that, you know, has a reputation or something to like, you know, do something, this and that you're kind of like asking them in a way to co-sign for you or give them, give you their time. And, and that way you can take it, you know, it can go North or South, but two, like, you know, I've made so many friends because I was either asked my opinion or my understanding of something or how to do something, or I've lost for like lost, yeah. not friends, but like, you know, things went fucking South and like got Quickly. really bad. Yeah. Right. Because somebody asked for some shit. I wasn't able to provide it to them. They freaked the fuck out or yeah. vice versa. I didn't deal with something right, you know, and that's just kind of like life. It's kind of like business, you know, where do you burn bridge? Where do you like try to maintain peace in your life? Um, and, you know, sometimes there is that gatekeeping there where people don't want to tell you, you know, what they know. And that's really up to them, you know, um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you're going, you know, you can take that as like you're being ostracized from something and you can just like give up or you can like fight the good fight as you see it and continue, you know, mm -hmm. because in the end, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're hungry enough, you're going to eat. Yeah. You know, um, two, if you're like putting like trolls, like in any sort of like, realm you know or people that don't want the best for you if you're thinking about that then like put your time into something more positive and yeah 
you know, use that as like a catalyst to help you be successful in whatever way you see fit. Yeah. You know, I'm like some of the best people and some of my favorite people I know now from asking for help or, um, I would even say people that I like am an acquaintance with, or people that I know people like suck Lord it. The reason that he's doing like his extended parts on the podcast or something is because I asked him a question a long time ago because I was a dumbass and I couldn't figure out how to glue stuff. But uh, I, I think I wish I would have been more choosy with some of the people not because it like went bad or anything some of them have but it's like I really more than anything wished I could have figured it out or I would have known what I was getting myself into when I asked people mm -hmm. like um Dimension X Toys is one of my favorite people I don't know like someone that I always will be like oh my anything that I can help you with let me help you and then please help me because uh, I don't know how things work um but he's like that was a, a a relationship that I was so into asking someone for and so that was cool I mean sometimes like you wouldn't you would never know what doing a little bit of good for somebody or helping somebody is gonna yeah what crazy journey you're going to go on and you know um, good intentions like um, are important, you know, doing good for others is super important. Sometimes though, if you emotionally can't handle it, you know, you have to say no, or like, you know, I, I know people in the scene that I'm really good friends with. And originally I asked them for something and they told me no, whether it be like, yeah. tell me make Safubi or to be a part of a show I was throwing, you know, like, um, the power of that, the power of one's equity mm -hmm. as a human being, an artist is super important, Yeah, but you know, some people just don't, it's so hard to quantify that. Like, you know, because we're all stuck in our own heads. Yeah. You know, and, and being self-aware as an artist, it's almost counterintuitive to being an artist. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, we're not all like that. Yeah. And which is, it's problematic to get a bunch of artists all in the same room and Instagram. I think it's good because you guys can figure stuff out together, but Instagram throws every artist in, yeah. in the room. And it's like, who cares how you guys function with people? This is just what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's overload for sure. Yeah. And so there's, which is cool. It is what it is, but um before we keep going too far you so you spent all that time years doing yeah. all that stuff we haven't even got past this um but when you finally get to the point tell me about the time you got to the point when you thought i i know how to do this now like this is what i want to do and then do you immediately start selling stuff like it's that oh, two man, question no. okay so you're just making for you oh yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> oh no. Like I, I definitely dude. Selling things was a huge taboo thing for me for so long. Is there a reason why? Um, maybe the mentality of selling out or doing art for anybody but myself. 
Okay. Like how does one do things for validation, but yet also only do it for themselves. And I like had to come to some crossroads where I was saying, Hey, like I'm probably doing this more for validation than I am for myself. And if I, at any point in my life would like to make a living off of art, I have to do it for other people. Yeah. And not for me as much. Like Mm -hmm. I can put myself into the things I make, but you know and then you have your rules like if i'm going to make this for other people it has to have have a certain standard right like yeah you know and i have to be choosy about who i choose to work with and building my brand and make it so that I'm, i am a commo- um a commodity is that the you thing? can be like, a commodity yeah so maybe commodify myself yeah <laughs> um and at the time i just was making like shitty bubbly like little hedora bootlegs and shit like yeah. that you know and like, I knew it was a fucking hard road because I'd be trying to hustle $5 bootlegs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, um, but after a certain point, like things started to fucking come together and I started to understand how resin worked. I, I, you know, after years, I just, it all came together. You know, Scott Cherry told me, like, I asked him a bunch of questions back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just Scott Cherry, right? Um, he was just like, yeah, man, you just got to spend a couple thousand dollars and fuck up a lot. Yeah. That was like his response to me. And I, at the time I was just kind of like, man, fucking Scott, dude, like, you know, blue balling me and shit. But, um, I get it now, you know? Um, and it just kind of came together, you know? And I threw the bombastic plastic toy show and like, it all just, it, it, I think people, there was starting to be something. And like, I started to see that, like, I didn't have to be the sad comic creator anymore or sad artist. Like I could, I could have equity and maybe make a living off of this. And yeah. Tell me about the bombastic art show. How'd you bomb- know it, that bombastic plastic? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. How did you get to the point when you immediately, like you do these crazy crossroads, which by the way, our crossroads are so different. And I, that's why I love that you're here right now. Because in my head, when I first started, I I love being creative. I wouldn't ever call myself an artist. For me, those don't equate. I don't know why. But when I first started creating some kind of toys, or when I first started and I was painting murals, to know that you are an artist that paints murals is to be hired to paint murals. Mm. And in my head, it was like, oh, I need to sell one toy to know that this is a road that I'm going to go down. I think, you know, like a lot of people don't consider Wesley Willis or Daniel Johnston or, um, you know, outsider artist artist because they haven't attained some kind of success that has allowed a lot of other people that maybe were willing to do or make certain sacrifices like Mm. you know um there are some people that call themselves artists that i would not fucking (laughs) like i'm like bro like nah yeah like stop using that term yeah Yeah, you you go to fucking parties and you talk to people are Mm -hmm. you an artist yeah like you know or like people that put like google image searched Uh, marvel designs on t-shirts and then sell them that's not fucking art dude that's some some swipey scalpy shit but then there are a lot of other people that like um are humble and they're like you know i do this thing because i love it and i dig that dude like you but your perception of you is not who you are 
It's mm. only what you understand of yourself. Everybody else around you maybe has the perception of you. Right. And so like, you know, to, but to feel like, uh, what is that called? Imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, like it's like a really weird thing. Being humble is really important, but also like knowing your own equity is super important. Where do you walk? Like some days I feel like, man, I'm the fucking shit. I'm fucking Hulk Hogan, bitch. You know? And then other days I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a failure. Yeah. Like, I need to call my grandma so I can feel better about myself type shit, you know? So she, like, loves, she loves well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. My grandma fucking loves me, right? Yeah. So like, and she'll tell me she loves me and that I'm great. And, you know, you'll everybody needs that. I, I mean, you know, is everybody an artist? I don't fucking know. Like, you know, like, <sighs> that's hard. But, I will call anyone, my wife and I, long time ago when I was, young and naive and by a long time ago i mean like a couple weeks ago ago. now a couple weeks ago (laughs) we had got it wasn't that it was probably a couple like six eight months ago we got into a a little like debate of what what is art right and there's always been that there's always that debate right anything any but in my head there has always been guidelines that have defined like this is art that's not art this is that's not and she made the comment, it, a little child, like colors on a piece of paper, that's art to someone. And so I was <laughs> like, okay, I was like that's a crazy way to see art. But in, uh, and, but then the more I study, like, or I've talked to a guy named um, Scott who goes by Yo-Yo Dying, we. Uh, like walk through what does art look like and like what do bootlegs look like it's got to be culturally like accepted and I don't know man I don't know who who's an artist I don't know what's an artist I don't know anything and the more that I'm on this show like so many of you have come through and I would deem what you do art but so many people I talk to use the phrase oh you play with toys which like shits all over it yeah (laughs) I dude, I'm I'm a like I'm the type of person that like is either inspired by like a really shitty sophomore kind of refrigerator drawing. Like that's shit I love. Just like that's a hot mess of shit. Yeah. Or like put it on my wall. Yeah, put it, give me that. I fucking want that. Like, you know, that shit's dumb. I love it. You know, I like real (laughs) dumb, stupid shit. Yeah. Or like really highly executed shit. Yeah. That's you know it's either Pinto or Ferrari for me, baby. That's yeah. it. Like that, I don't want to say this, but um, you know, too though I like kind of the lines are all blurred, and the more I'm like in the community, and the more like toys I get from people, and I'm able yeah. to to live that life and be a part of it. Like the more like you know, it's blurred. Like, can a person that's not an artist make art? Totally. Um can an artist be an artist without making anything maybe is an as a person an artist just by living and being eccentric and teaching people maybe because in the end like artists you know look at like the original fucking drawings and paintings they were like of like animals on cave walls or of things in the surrounding and they were teaching tools yeah you know so it's like some like 
dead poets society shit like robin williams in that was he an artist probably like or like you know my uh, math teacher from fifth grade mr seal you know like my favorite teacher of all time was he an artist fuck yeah mm. am i good at math fuck no but he <laughs> made me feel like i was important and yeah. let me draw the x-men in my math book and was, didn't give a fuck that i had a learning disability or that i wasn't good at what he was trying to teach me he put me into a place where he knew that i would go on to be successful at something else right so like you know i i don't even know if that like you know do you like it do you not like it you know that's that's one of those rhetorical questions maybe yeah about art i don't know i yeah art the more i look at it the more i see it because i'm intrigued by stuff that some people didn't deem art until later right like keith herring is such a fun artist yeah when he was making those people probably looked at it and thought what is this horse shit Mm -hmm. or you know but he was he was trained i thought didn't he went to school in pittsburgh or something like that right like he knew a lot about that andy warhol duchamp with the toilet you know i think that you know um it's you know nfts even like Uh, you know people yeah (laughs) yeah man but i mean in the end you know it is what it is can can people find their equity and sell artwork within that space yeah it just changes the dimension of things you know it just changes that's the thing though faster faster everything is just so much faster than it was and in 10 years it's gonna be faster than that Mm. So, man, back to bombastic plastic. Oh shit! Yeah, art show. Yeah, no, you're good. These are my favorite podcasts when we talk about things like that that really matter and that get us going. Um, bombastic plastic toy mm-hmm. art show, toy show, gallery show. So, all of the above. In like 2016, I was contacted by this artist collective called Meow Wolf. Yeah, Santa Fe, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and my friend Travis Egedy, yeah. and Benji Geary, and Emily, and people I knew from Rhinoceropolis. They were like, "We're gonna, we're gonna build a fucking meow wolf in Denver, and you know, we want you to help us." And I was like, "I don't know what you can do with me. Yeah, I'm not an installation artist. I'm just kind of like a like you know." who started in the keep and fucking 1985 yeah. meal. Like I'm that dude, you know, I'm yeah. just like that guy. That's like, it's too Brown, like make it, you know, more yellow or something. Less Brown. Yeah. Less, yeah. Or like, um, so they were like, Hey, you know, you should, we should, we want to work with you. And I was like, cool. Let's that's, that's, they, they wanted to make a toy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to make a toy with you guys because i i saw that as like them using their money to benefit them Mm -hmm. so i was like you know what you should fucking do though you should bring a bunch of artists here to have a toy show and then you can build clout on your brand by putting a bunch of people on and essentially that was it like i just emailed a bunch of people and asked for a bunch of fucking favors and you know somehow it worked I was told no a lot, yeah. <laughs> but um, we got to do a couple of them. We did one in 2018 and then in 2019. Okay. Two. Yeah. But toy shows are rough. You know? Yeah. 
There's you a gotta lot of do a lot of shit for free. And I feel like it's a lot of scavenging, right? Like you're just trying to find some people throughout all the no's that are saying yes, we'll be a part of this, even well, though too, we don't know. Too like within, you know, like too like cure being a curator, you kind of have to like work with people that are going to, you know, you have to like make those decisions. Is this person going to be difficult to work with? Is this person's work going to be successful within this space? Mm. You know, am I bringing something in, somebody in to automatically fail? Yeah. Um, Having to tell people no, having to like also maybe fold to other people's will in order to get things that you need for the show you know there's all of that stuff that's kind of standard art industry yeah. you know but I, I i didn't know anything about it i was just like fucking let's throw a fucking toy show yeah you know and get spot like i just asked for sponsors and shit and like suddenly like people were like fuck yeah i want to do that and like it became it was pretty successful i mean a bunch of people got paid and like you know got to put a bunch of people on and bring some people to Denver and yeah. make some good connections. And then eventually bombastic plastic just became my brand because like, I wanted to retain my rights to like, that was the thing about the whole thing. I didn't make any money, but I wanted to retain the rights to the thing I'd worked on for two years, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like making an LLC and building a brand and a business around what I was doing was one of the few ways that I could retain my, my power and, relationship with the bombastic plastic stuff that's rad so at that point you're making resin i was in production with Corey from science patrols on the couch at the time okay so you had just started moving in on other areas of toy making yeah i I think because i sent the couch to Corey and it was almost done right when bombastic plastic happened but it was not quite okay and i remember him being like do you really want to do this and be like yeah dude i want to make a fucking couch (laughs) yeah tell me tell me about that that was one of my favorite things about you as an artist is that whenever i talk to people they're like i got this fucking mecca i'm making or this giant thing and then when we talked you popped on a live at one point where i was just shoving my face full of taco bell you you talked about a couch that you had made and it caught me off guard because I didn't understand what you were like I it was just so different than what I'm normally hearing and I fell in love because it was like I'd never seen it before so tell me why a couch What, what are you doing I think back in school like we would have a lot of discussions about like how chairs and things to sit on like what is a chair like and essentially like is it just a thing to sit on is it is it it it, and essentially a chair is an important design archetype that could be many different things okay is a couch a chair yes is a chair a couch i don't know you know is a is a mat on the floor a chair Mm. You know, we, for a year, like at the beginning of art school, that was like what we talked about chairs. We built chairs, we drew chairs, like we made chairs out of fucking cardboard and pieces of paper. It was this really, really like important design, you know, and in, when I went to, like, I originally went to, um, 
another Japanese toy producer and I was like drawing a bunch of like fucking like goblin wrestler dudes and yeah. shit like that. And I was just like, dude, this is not my steez. Like I'm way too, too, um, it just wasn't, you know, my thing, like my aesthetic or how I think about things. Mm-hmm. And I went home to my mom's house on some like, you know, dealing with some family shit. And I was talking to my mom and we were talking about like the toy thing and, you know, what I was doing. And I was just like surrounded with chairs. Actually collects furniture. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to make a fucking couch. Like, yeah, I knew that at that point. Like, and, you know, I was thinking about the design of Sofubi and how it needs to be minimal and it needs to be very simple. And I was thinking about rectangles and, playability and how a lot of the time when people make toys they don't think about any of that shit and i was like i i it made sense it clicked you know mm-hmm. like sometimes you just and i did i mean i collect monster toys and i've made monster toys since but at the time i think i just wanted to make something that was antithetical to what i was seeing in the scene that was possible i think you know and so I did that and now it's kind of become this like thing that all my other toys like the Bubbies and Coco and not Muck Marshman but it all kind of intertwines now it's part of like my my narrative yeah did you you didn't stay long in the resin toys right and then you moved to soft vinyl pretty or Safubi pretty quickly right yeah resin just like was i didn't see myself you can say it it's awful (laughs) i'm just kidding i love resin um i i love a lot of those people like i have my my crew fucking you know green plastic tunnels lab monkey you know um i have i'm like really down with collecting um work from a couple cats and i love that and i still you know, I still do resin casting every couple weeks. I do it for production work for, for work. You know, mm-hmm. I, I cast toys for people for projects and stuff like that. But for my, my own personal stuff, I prefer soft vinyl yeah. just because it's easier to paint. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, That's a good way to. And, and, you know, um, I didn't see myself um, I'm just a DIY dude. I don't want to like play by anybody else's fucking rules. I don't want bureaucracy. I know that's funny within kind of like the whole like situation of how maybe some people feel about um, the politics of what we do, yeah. but also like, I don't have to play by those fucking rules either. Right. Right. And I just saw soft finals, like this easier thing for me to do that. I didn't, I, you know, like, it's easier in a way, but it's also harder in a way, mm-hmm. you know, but I just didn't see myself like um, wanting to deal with working with resin forever. And I got sick from um, resin fumes and I was just like, fuck this, dude. Like, I, you know, I'm just going to do vinyl. Yeah. I'm you nervous know. about the cancer creeping up with resin fumes. Yeah. Just wear your mask, get a, yeah. get a blower, you know, um, and you know do wet clean up and stuff like that you'll be okay but I mean, um as you because you produced the couch that one how long what was that process like how long it took forever 
from the time you got the idea to production i just like away made all the, the thing stuff. in yeah. like two or three days okay like i just sculpted the couch with chavant clay yeah you know and sent Corey masters and that was basically it and he messaged me like hey i just got a couch in the mail like, yeah you did <laughs> and i was like yeah dude and he's like you sure and i was like what do you think he's like it's fucking hilarious and i was like cool man Awesome. There you go. You know, it was like really kind of um, organic. And then you, you know? and this is factory produced, correct? Yeah. How many, how many couches did you order? 20, maybe. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking you had to do like 10,000. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. No. I'm, dude, I'm DIY. Dude. Yeah. I'm like 10, 20 I'm, sounds good. I am fucking cheap, bro. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm cheap in the way of like being like, how much is this going to cost me? Like I spent crazy amounts of money on making things. Yeah. But two, I'm fucking inherently cheap. Yeah. I'm with Japanese. That's the thing about like vinyl production currently is like that, you know, Chinese factories, American factories, Japanese factories, they all do slush, slush casting now. Okay. And they can get your minimums pretty reasonable yeah. for Japanese production though. Like it's way low like you know that's their deal they do like small batch yeah vinyl toys i think that that's that's why you know it's very artisanal um their their mentality about things so i maybe yeah. got 10 gray couches when they first came out it was a very small box mm -hmm. it was um yeah it was pretty intense awesome yeah when you so and then you didn't stop there you you created that and you kept going. Did you, was there something that once you held the couch, you immediately were like, oh, I'm, I'm really hooked. Like I need more. I think it was after the point I started selling them that I, because I, you always get the yeah. thing and you have the, the, the FUD, the fear of the success, what success is. And I think that um, I was putting rampage ponies on it. And I knew at that point, like, um, with the rampage ponies, I, I, I don't know, maybe I was subconsciously thinking about a thing to go on the couch, but then I was like, you know, like looking at my life and, you know, trying to pull th from my life. And that's like a big thing too, is like me, me trying to somehow share my life, my very suburban kind of boring vanilla life with people, um, through my work. But then I was like, man, I kind of just want to make a toy of my dog. You know, and that, that has been my most successful fucking toy I've ever made. I got so more fucking bubbies like this yeah. just little $12 toy, you know? Yeah. And it just is like, and you know, I think that's important for creators to look at too, is your price point and like how it relates to you. Because if you, if you understand the thing, you can sell the fucking thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, I, I was like, man, I just, I love my dog. I want to celebrate her. Yeah. So I made a little chubby dog toy. That's super simple. It's just a tiny old mafi that. It's the two pieces that go together, correct? Like this? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. It's just two pieces, you know, and you have your joint and it comes off and that's, oh, that's it. Beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, that's the simplicity of Safubi is just that it is it is that simple yeah you know and d designing things 
that are parallel with that design ethos, you know, like, like the Coco toy, it's, you know, more pieces. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's in line with the Bubby toy size wise and stuff like that. Yeah. It's crazy to hear that that is like, because like we talked earlier, like I hear so many crazy ideas of people wanting to do whatever. And then your most successful toy that you've sold the most of is Bubby, a little dog, one joint. That's it. That exists in real life. Yeah. She's just on the couch right now waiting to scream at whoever passes by my house. (laughs) So we, uh, let's go back to more art stuff. So you, you produce your two, both dogs recently. Yeah. Right. Those are relatively recently. Bubby's old, bro. Is he older than the couch? Mm, only by a couple months or the couch is older than bubby by a couple months probably okay and then the new one is how old <sighs> muck marshman well the the, the coco's new yeah okay um and then you've got several that you've produced i did the muck marshman i've like done yeah. projects for other people i work with like you know helping make toys for a lot of people yeah so what what keeps you why this scene what keeps you in this scene what keeps you wanting to like get new characters going new dog toys going like what what's going on i don't know bro i just it seems to be one of the few things i'm good at like as far as being able to be successful in um, a space where I feel like maybe I belong or I can like be of use for people or help people, even though that might be pragmatic in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it feels like a place that hopefully I can exist in for a while and be, yeah, I, th- I think that, yeah. You know, we like, we collectors of toys, we're, we're in that, you know, so, I mean, even though there's, you know, there's a lot of weird characters and, you know, for the most part, um, almost everybody is beautiful and super supportive, even if not in the way that is monetarily, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's really easy to rug, like you make one bad decision on something and you never can like really gauge whether taking a risk is going to benefit you, like it's, it's scary, but um, there's a lot of supportive, like really beautiful people in the scene. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is I just, I love a lot of these people and it's not hard for me to like show up at a place and like meet people and um, fall in love with these people and like be like, you know, have like interesting conversations that are like meaningful as you talked about the crossroads that you had gone through of trying to figure out to sell your art make art for yourself um and then you've been to conventions you've had yeah, bro, i was at decon i hollered at you, you yeah just by me in the wind oh wait did i not say hi no just walk by oh I'm it, it, tell me it tell me Stop. it was because I didn't hear you tell me it was because I didn't hear you. I don't know Abe you tell me <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say it was because I didn't hear you I, I I'm gonna venture to say 100 
you're not on my list of I need to not talk to them. So I'm going to say it was Do that short list. Bro? Yeah, that list is like five at most. Oh, um, yeah. But um, with all that, like how how does that all fit together? Because you're at Decon. You're selling mm-hmm. stuff. You're still an artist. Shout out Last Bastion Studios, my boys, Wes and Chris. Shout out. There we out. go. Hey, they, and, I, I had them and, on. And Willie Digital, too. Shout out Willie Cow. Um, yeah, I, I listened to that. I listened yeah. to you and the Scott Hennessy, and I was like, Scott motherfucking Hennessy. Yeah. I'm actually working with it. I'll talk to you after I'm done with this. Um, about a project that I'm trying to work on with that guy. Sick. Um, you know, you just got dude, they're like if you wanna if you wanna roll in the toy game, you gotta show up to shit, you know? Yeah, you gotta, and you gotta go to shows. So there's you, no not. And uh, which is true. And I think like regardless of whatever that looks like, right? Showing up or having a booth or doing whatever, like you just have to be there. Um how do you deal with that with your psyche? With like from the no from the beginning part of like having that issue of i don't know if i want to sell these things i don't know what i don't want to be that sell i don't want to do that to now like this is what you do when you back up the whole when you when you put on the back of like selling out uh, like you know (laughs) what's more selling out bro the fact that both of my shoulders are bad because i spent 20 years doing labor jobs yeah what is more selling out the fact that i that i basically beat the shit out of my body picking heavy ship shit up off the ground and running pallet jacks and forklifts for 20 years yeah or making something that might not be exactly what i want so that people like it a little bit more yeah or like drawing something for somebody or having to deal with a difficult client. Like in the end, like we're all only here for a short period of time. And I would rather be being creative and not, you know, dealing with working at a corporate job. You know what I'm saying? Like it was all that yeah. shit. It was all just a culmination of me being like, dude, I hate, I hate my job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here no more. I want to be making cool shits for surrounding myself be it even with the drama and the edge lords i still at least i at least have the opportunity then to tell them to suck an egg and fuck off yeah whereas like you know like i i have my creative equity here i'll never lose my equity as a person or an artist so i and and i think you know right after my grandfather died my mom told me you know you you need to decide what's important to you neil You know, because I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. I don't want to work a job. And she's like, how do you, how are you going to get the things that you want from life? Mm. And I was like, I got to work a normal job. I got to sacrifice. She's like, exactly. But that doesn't discount, you know, and she's like, you know, got her own mind and stuff. But and is very much into that whole, like, work shall set you free type, like terrible, like mentality that a lot of like you know, the baby boomer generation and the people before them have like where we should be like indebted to work and like all of the, you know, I didn't mean to say it like that. I'm sorry, but like just the, the, all of the bullshit that society brings upon us to like be zombies to our jobs. Mm -hmm. And, but at a point we have to do that. And I just like, was 
make the composition, make sacrifices where you can, and then like figure it out, you know, like, yeah, I, um, and you know, I, after like, you know, we all were dealt with the COVID stuff. Um, I kind of was like, I'm, I'm fucking done, you know, mm. like, I was just like, I just want to do this from now on. Cause until I have to go work at Trader Joe's or some shit, you know, hey, they pay well. <laughs> are you fuck with it are you headed to comic-con this year no are you headed to designer con this year yes i'm not gonna pass your booth without saying hi i'll be at five points fest oh in, in brooklyn yeah. yeah i'll be at nft nyc what the hell is that it's like an nft convention Dope. I'm only there because I don't even really make NFTs, but okay. I have a lot of friends that are going to be there. And it, it's right before um, Five Points Fest in Brooklyn. So it, it, it me not going to that is a bad move. You got to show up to shit to get work. Yeah. So um, I'll be there. I'll be at Decon. And then there's a show in works in October, I think, in LA, a toy show with some friends of mine and i got invited to be a part of that dope so yeah looking forward next <laughs> like five years yeah oh where looking you, forward in the next five years yeah where are you uh, headed know, dude. still toys hopefully yeah dude okay i mean greater, like in a greater capacity um i don't even know what that means by the way like the, sometimes I say things and then in my head it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> yo, yo, that is my life. Yeah. That's like, yeah, I, yeah, dude, call me toe teeth because my foot is in my mouth. <laughs> um, hopefully I'm like, hopefully I, I can help more people make toys. Um, and, I don't know, work, make new cool shit and still work yeah. for myself, I think, you know, be a little less in debt and a little more happy and a little bit fatter. Okay. I think you know? all of those go together. Yeah. I don't really like, I, I, yeah, I don't really want to fucking work for nobody. I don't want to, you know, yeah. hopefully, you know, we'll get this whole, um, resource management and what is it called the covid thing bullshit the, yeah <laughs> supply chain issues supply chain issues hopefully that can be um a little bit better so that my cost of stuff isn't gone up 120 percent and um you know just trying to look to the future in a positive way and not be as much of a freak as i am now yeah well i mean don't go changing <laughs> so much stuff Jeez. yeah bro yeah you know uh as we come to the end uh my favorite part i talk about it every week i love when people plug everything they're doing where we can find them everything that they have if they have yeah you could if you had something to sell on this show sell it now Tell me, tell us where, where can we find you? Yo, bombasticplastic.com. Boom. I got some uh, toys up there, some soft goods. You want some bootleg t-shirts? Like, 
your man's right here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold that back up. I love that. Get that that AOP Swamp Thing joint right there. Oh, I love that. Woo! Shout out Swamp Thing bootlegs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, bobmasterplastic.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram at, at Neil Ewing, on Twitter at Neilzer. I'm just around kicking, shit posting, trolling. That's all. Had a do. crazy amount of conventions coming up. Yeah, for sure. And if they want to get you to design a toy for them or do whatever, how do they get to you? Um, yeah, man, I do consulting. Just tip me up through Bombastic Plastic or email me on Instagram and stuff, and I can tell you yay or nay, you know, and help you out. Yeah. Either way, I'll try to help people point them in the right direction, even if they don't pay me. Yeah. Look <laughs> at you. Look at you being nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being on Toys on Top. Yeah, dude, totally. Toys on tap. The next episode. It's great. It's amazing. You're going to want to listen to it. It's not right now, though. You're going to have to wait till the next episode to listen to it. Oh, when's that? The next one. Cool. Toys on tap. The next one's going to be good, too. So stay tuned and, and, and listen to that. Toys on tap. Awesome.